you would grab your Bibles and we'll go ahead and go to the book of 1 Corinthians, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I was going to ask this earlier. How many of you would have preferred an afternoon service instead of the evening service? Is there a lot of those? Okay, all right. So I will note that we, we kind of go back and forth a little bit either way, and sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't. But if you all like it early, and you're not going to skip out on me, all right, well, well uh, I don't mind doing it that way. And uh, so future note, all right, I'll mark it off. Uh, but uh, as far as that goes, um, I mean, it, it won't be at 2 o'clock. It'll probably be about, you know, maybe 3. We'll sneak in at 3. We'll be done, you know, be good to go. All right. Think about that. Uh, if, if you have a major opinion on that, let me know. But uh, once again, trying to make it, I want it to be able for people to be here and uh, be able to be at the services. Amen. Uh, so they're there for you. And so, First uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verse number six. Uh, he starts off the chapter with us not being ignorant. All right, and don't be ignorant. And then he talks a little bit about what happened there in the Old Testament with Moses. And then he says in verse number six, "Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them." As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Uh, so here we have, ultimately, the Apostle Paul is uh, talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking about how these things that the Old Testament saints had to deal with, uh, Moses, the children of Israel in particular at this moment, uh, he's talking about how those things were there, and they're there for our examples. Uh, they're there for us to read the page and see what they did and see how the Lord had to respond to them. And uh, so as he looks down the list, you know, we're not supposed to be idolaters like them. We're not supposed to be fornicators like them. We're not supposed to be, you know, uh, lusting after evil things. And when we're tempted of Christ, we're not, you know, tempted to pull us away from Christ. We're supposed to stay with him and, you know, all those things. And he's looking down that list. And he's saying, hey, uh, we need to do these things. Make sure we're not going to fall into those things. Don't be ignorant. He starts off the chapter with and he starts listing this stuff as he lists these things he ends up making the statement uh, there in verse number 12 he says that let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall uh, that's that's a pretty big warning right here uh, the warning is you look back at all these mistakes that other people have made and the Lord is going, hey, these mistakes were there and I put them down in a book to make sure you understand there's mistakes that happen. Uh, and everybody is susceptible to making mistakes. Everybody is susceptible to fall. 
Uh, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All right? There is nobody that is perfect. The only one that was was Jesus Christ. Uh, he's it. We all have our faults and our failures. Uh, you look at the Old Testament saints and you find repeatedly the places that they fell. Uh, I think the Lord purposely puts in the places where men fail. In the Old Testament, He's purposely putting them in. You say, why? Because you and I need to understand that. And we need to understand from their circumstances how you and I don't have to fall. The greatness is that God makes it, and when you got saved and you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, He makes it so that you and I don't have to fall. He gets there in verse number 13, right? There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Everybody gets tempted. Everybody gets it. Uh, we, there's nobody who escapes the idea of temptation. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to. Be. The Lord sets it up so that he can get you a way out. If you choose to take that way out, you escape. If you choose not to, he is not obligated to give you another one. It's a way. Uh, and sometimes that way of escape is early and you and I don't pull that cord and get out what we can and we're stuck on this track down into the doldrums of what you and I are about to do. Puts us very quickly in the place where we ought not to be. And so the question is, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, how do you keep from falling? There's certain things we ought to be paying attention to. You and I live in a day today where it is real easy to fall. Uh, it's always been easy to fall. Don't get me wrong. There's never been a good time, right? Uh, but you look around today and the world that you and I live in is so readily accessible and open and easy. It's easy. People aren't ashamed of their sin anymore. It makes it easier for you or I to be able to see it, be tempted by it, open up those doorways, have those things showing up. And so then the question comes, well, what do, what do I have to pay attention to? Because let's face it, it's time to start paying attention if you're not. <laughs> that statement, take heed lest you fall. That's, that's pay attention. Take heed means, hey, pay attention. Our problem is we don't pay much attention to anything. <laughs> We're so used to just run of the mill, walking around, doing whatever. And we don't pay any attention. And you ever notice, uh, you, you know, we're up here in New York. We get black ice and you get, you know, ice conditions and all those things, right? You ever notice when you're not really paying attention in the winter, how easy you can slip, right? And if you slip, you have a tendency to fall. <laughs> you pay attention. You go, oh, hey, you know, you're walking, you're walking across, especially here, you know, and you get that little ice slick that happens over by the... OCC doorways, right? That black ice that happens, right? The melt, the melt off runs down. We all know where it is. You've been to church long enough. You know exactly where that spot is. And you know what the answer is? Hey, Brother Bacon's out there normally right before Sunday school. Hey, careful. That's, that's still icy. That's still icy. Brother Thomas is out there. That's still icy. Hey, watch out. We got a little ice right there. Why? You got to pay attention. Because if you don't pay attention, it's awful easy to fall. It's awfully easy. And we, and we, and we can do it real Real quick, and it gets real dangerous when you fall. There's a lot of damage that can be done when you fall. Things that happen suddenly often can be very damaging. 
we think we're okay because we haven't been paying enough attention. And so tonight I'm going to preach on some things to pay attention. It's time to pay attention. I'm going to give you three things. Pay attention to why? They'll help you from falling. Keep you standing upright. Uh, the Lord makes the, or Paul makes the statement in Ephesians, right? Having done all to stand. <laughs> we don't want to fall down. We want to stand. Uh, you and I are in an evil day. Their admonition is for us to stand. It's to stand. It's not to fall down. It's not to sit down. It's not to give up and throw it all in. It's to be able to stand. Because a world and a, and let's face it, everybody around you needs somebody to stand. Because if nobody stands, you and I are in a whole lot of trouble. Brother Kevin preached on that just a little bit ago. Somebody to stand. Somebody. Shannon made the reference earlier. And she said, boy, it's amazing to have some men that will just do the right thing. You trust they're going to just, they're doing the right thing. I'm not worried about what's going to happen with my kids. I'm not, going to, I'm not worried about my teenagers getting sucked over into this terribleness with the people that are around. You say, what is that? That's just looking for somebody who's willing to stand. The world needs, and too many never do. They look like they're going to. You got a little promise there, and then they just, boom, they just fall out. And that's scary. That's scary because you got a lot of folks watching. And I, I hope you can stand and maybe none of these things will bother you. And maybe you think, well, you know, everything's okay and I'm doing fine. But okay, well, take heed. <laughs> you think you're standing. Well, I'm okay. I've always been okay. Eh, take heed. <laughs> That's a real good time to go. I better watch out. A little too much confidence. Well, that'll never happen to me. That's careful territory. Because better men and better ladies than you have said they would never. Better people than me, better people than you, the best of the best. You know what they say? Well, I would never. And they don't stay that way normally. And so we are not exempt. And uh, we're going to have a word of prayer. And I'm going to give you three things that uh, you ought to heed. You ought to pay attention to. It's time to pay attention to these things. And I think these three things will keep you pretty well in the right groove, in the right spot to stay standing. So, Father, I do thank you for the night. I pray you would give me wisdom, Lord, as I speak. This is not an easy thing to talk about or an easy thing to preach on. And I do pray you'd give me wisdom as I say these things. Lord, we are all susceptible to fall. Lord, there is nobody gets an exempt pass on this one. Uh, Lord, we all have temptation, we all have troubles, we all have things. And so, Father, I do pray you would give us the wisdom and the understanding, enlighten our eyes that we might be able to see the things we need to see and protect us and keep us safe. Lord, help us to see that way to escape right on time, Lord, every time. And, Father, I pray you'd give us the courage and the boldness to take it. Lord, once again, I do pray you'd grant us wisdom tonight as the Word of God goes forth. I pray Jesus Christ would be praised and He'd be high and lifted up and we'd get close to Him. Lord, once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn with me over to 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter. Now, these won't be all of the places where the Bible says to take heed, but uh, I'll give you three of them where He does say that. Uh, these three places, I think, are very indicative of if we pay attention to these spots right here, uh, it'll, it'll be great for us and it'll be 
ending in a great result for you not falling. Uh, and so here we are in 2 Peter chapter 1. You probably know the spot in verse number 16. Peter says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice from him, uh, to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Uh, the first thing you ought to take heed to is you better make sure you're taking heed to the book. Uh, the Bible, the Word of God better be preeminent in your life. It ought to be prominent in your life. It ought to be something where you turn to the pages. You realize when we were back there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the first things he's talking about is don't be ignorant about the children of Israel and what happened with Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea and the things that they did and after they crossed and the, and the wickedness that they brought around and the things that they did and the fornication, the idolatry and all these evil lustings and all the things that they've done. He's going, hey, don't do what they did. Say, so how do I know how to not do those things? You go ahead and look at the Bible and find out how God said to avoid them. The Bible gives you clarity of thought and mind on how to do the things we ought to do. He says in Romans chapter 15, verse number 4, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We look back at what was written before. We will look back at what holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and they penned this down and they gave it to us and God preserved it and God gave it to you and He handed it to you and He says, you know what? You better take heed to what I have to say about that. So I don't know what God says about it. There's no excuse to not know what God said about it. He gave you a book so you could go ahead and find out what He thinks on that. Well, I don't know what to think. Then go ahead and find a book and go ahead and turn and look. He gave you a book to tell you exactly what you need to know. God is a God who wants to make sure you're protected. He's not a God that looks for you to go ahead and make the sacrifice and lay down your life and give it and die and suffer. Doesn't He want to give you life more abundant? God's not this taker that wants to go ahead and rip everything out of your life and tell you how terrible you are. And He's the God who says, no, you're my kid. <laughs> you're sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I, I want to I be a father unto you. I want to do good things for you. I want to tell you, you get to Proverbs, hear the instruction of a father. You know what the Lord wants? He wants to instruct you. So he gave you a book to go ahead and tell you how to do it right. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Will let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If you don't have a time where you're reading, where you're looking at a Bible and you're reading it, you need one. We give out Bible reading calendars. You say, well, that's too much. Figure out what's enough. Either you need something. You need something coming in every day from the pages of a Bible. 
And if you go, well, I'm not much of a reader. That doesn't give you the excuse. The command is to read. The command is to study. The command is for you to search the scriptures. The command, those are commands. Those aren't, well, when you feel like it. Oh, hey, if you have time, how about you go ahead? You know what you need? You need a good time to go ahead and just read. Just read it. It is amazing what just reading it will do. Well, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand all of that. God didn't ask you to understand all of it. He asked you to read it. I'm going to give a very strange example probably. But I'm going to do it anyways. I want to see how this goes. How many of you understand everything that you ever read? You pull up the news article, you pull up this, you pull up that, you read it real. And how many of you got complete 100% understanding every time you read everything? Well, no. There's words you don't know. There's terminologies you don't know. You're looking up stuff to try and figure out what in the world that was. Your doctor gives you a report and you're like, can you give me that in English? Like, what did you do? Right? I mean, you get all sorts of things in this life. You don't understand all of it. You get handed, right? I mean anything and you're trying to figure out what in the world was that saying to me so that I can figure out how to do what I'm supposed to do you get instructions now you get instructions right to anything to build right you get the thing and they don't even put words in it they just put pictures like you're supposed to know what that means right and you're like just throw it away figure out how these pieces go together and hopefully it'll look right what's the picture look like on the box let's see if we can make that all right you don't understand it, but you know what you do? Still read it. Well, yeah, but I didn't understand everything in there. Doesn't matter. You know what's amazing about what God does? He'll go ahead and you'll read it the first time and you won't understand all of it. Then you go back and you start reading it again, and all of a sudden these light bulbs start coming on, almost like, almost like he wants to give you understanding. And you read it a second time and you go, boy, I didn't even see half that stuff in the first time. Uh, then you read a third time, and then all of a sudden you're going, was I not even reading it the last two times? What was I doing? It amazes me how many, and you get all this light and all these pieces that start going together that you didn't know. You didn't understand those pieces went together, but all of a sudden those pieces start coming together. You realize this morning I was preaching, and those three pieces... You got Peter before in Matthew chapter 4. You've got Peter in Luke chapter 5. And then you've got Peter in John chapter 20. You realize those didn't come together just because, oh, that was the first time I ever read that. You look at that thing over and 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 over. And then suddenly, oh, I've never seen that before. And Lord starts showing you some things. You say, why? Because you've given him the ability to show you. Well, I just don't know how to stay out of that hole. Have you ever read about it? Well, I don't know what to read. Start in Genesis. You'll find it eventually. The answer's in there. 
The answer is there. You find all the answers. Uh, one of the great, uh, Brother Keck gave so many good quotes while we were there. Brother Harley Keck, he was pastor for a long time. I mentioned him this morning. While we were down at the pastor's conference, he had so many just, I mean, like one-line quotes. If I could have just written all those down, I'd have had enough. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was just one right after the other. You know what he said? He said, you will always get answers in the way. He goes, you'll always get the answers if you'll just start moving. God wants to give you the answers while you're in the way, not before you get underway. Well, I don't know what to do. Start doing. God will give you the answers. Start reading, start studying, start looking. He'll start providing more answers. His statement was, you'll get more. If you'd start moving, you know what you'd get? You'd get more answers on accident than you do on purpose. You ever find, you ever find how many answers you get out of the Bible? You're, if you're reading, you know what you get? You get weird answers at weird times. You go, boy, I was looking for something about that 10 years ago. There it is. How about that? I missed that. And the Lord lightens your eyes. He goes, oh, hey, you're ready for that answer. Now I get that for you. But I've read that already. Yeah, that's okay. Hearing testimonies of people getting, getting the answers to the questions that someone is asking them, and it's recalled up into their mind. You say, how did it get in there? They just read it. You really think they have all those verses memorized? You know what's strange? I get up here, and I'm preaching, and you think I have thousands of verses memorized, right? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know what the Lord does? They're just in there. And so he brings them out. If he wants them, he can bring them out. By the way, he can't bring it out if you've never read it. There's the trouble. The trouble is you want the answer to the problem, but you don't want to put in the information to try and get you the right answer. Well, if I know what problem's coming, you don't know what problem's coming. The Lord knows what problem's coming, though, so if you read a book, you know what it'll do? It'll give you the answers before you ever get to the problems. And then the problem comes, and the answer comes up in your mind, and you go, hey, I didn't know that was going to happen today, but the Lord did, and you already put it in for Him. He now has something to draw from to give you an answer. But too many times people sit there and they go, boy, I'd like God to give me an answer to this problem here, but they've never taken time to be in the book. They've never taken the time to load in the information beforehand. We were, uh, we were getting ready to, to depart last flight on uh, Friday night. We're sitting there in Detroit. We're going to fly out to Rochester. We're waiting. Pilot's going through his checklist, doing all his things. He starts backing away from the gate. Gets back, and then he just stops. And we sit there. And I figure, oh, we're just waiting you know, clear runway, whatever. Fifteen minutes goes by. <laughs> if you ever ridden in a plane, you're thinking, this isn't normal. I mean, I know I'm at Detroit, but either somebody got shot on the runway or we got a problem with this plane right here. And not long after, on comes the pilot. We're having some mechanical issues. We're going to pull back up to the gate. And maintenance is going to come out and see, see if they can take a look. And so up to the gate we go, and we park, and we're sitting there. 
And, you know, 45 minutes to an hour later, whatever it is, you know, the guy finally gets there, you know, because he's coming from, you know, wherever in the middle of nowhere. And Detroit is a huge airport, right? And half of it's under construction right now, so that made it fun. And so here, they, here he comes, and maintenance guy comes on, and we see him come out, and pilot comes on a few minutes later. Hey, uh, maintenance crew's here. And he says, simple part change. Take him about 15 minutes to do. And he brought the part with him already. That made me happy right there. <laughs> Say, why? Because I don't need this guy going back 45 minutes to go get a part to come back 45 minutes later to finally put it in, right? He's like, ah, 15 minutes. Switch it out. He switched out the part probably about a half hour later. We back away. He had to do all his paperwork and they had to do all their checklist stuff, you know, and you're thinking, do your checklist again. Definitely. Yeah. Don't miss anything. Right. Amen. I would like my plane to land in Rochester, not crash in Buffalo. So please uh, go ahead go through your checklist. Take your time on this second one. Make sure we didn't miss anything. You think the maintenance guy kind of knew what was coming before he got to the plane? How do you know that? Oh, they probably told him the problem. Hey, we got this going on. You know what he said? Before I leave, I'm going to grab probably the number one thing that could be. He already had the answer before he knew exactly what the problem was. The information was already there for him to go ahead and access so that he could give you a good answer. And praise the Lord, he had the right answer. And praise the Lord, the plane took off, flew fine, no issues. We landed, no big deal. A little late, a little tired, a little all that. But praise the Lord, safety. Praise the Lord for a maintenance guy who knew exactly what he was doing. You know what would be nice? So you could find Christians who knew exactly what they were doing. Hey, uh, you know, I can't quite pull that verse up, but it says something like this. Let's see if we can find that. And go right along with what you're going through. Wouldn't that be nice? Keep you from falling. It keep you from falling. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I got to hurry up. I'm having too much fun preaching it. And so, uh, but I got to move along because we did... We did testimonies. We did everything else. It's, it's already 725. The nursery workers are ready to kill me. So uh, we're going we're gonna to move a little quicker here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. And we get into for the other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. And you get into the rewards, right? Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it for by fire. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And so on. Now, I already preached on the rewards not long ago. I'm not, I don't want to mention that. 
There's a reward. Take heed how you build that way. But notice the, the phrase he used right before that. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now we won't go to all the places. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 to 20. If you want to check that out sometime. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 16 is the big one. Say, so what do you have there? You have the body as the building. The church. And he talks about in Ephesians, he talks about it being fitly framed together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Take heed how you build. Hey, how are you working with everybody around you? How are you working with everybody here? Say, why? Because if you take heed to pay attention to how you're working together, there will be no schism in the body. You know what amazes me? How quickly people fall because of how somebody else treated them. He talks about it in, uh, in another spot uh, to take heed because people are biting and devouring one another in the passage. Watch out. Why? That you don't want to be overtaken with that. You know what the trouble is? Christians don't know how to behave themselves with each other. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. They don't want to do that. So the building starts falling apart. And oh, maybe the structure's standing, but the people aren't standing together. It's supposed to be brought together and tighter. And the joints are supposed to be, and they're supposed to intertwine each other and strengthen each other and make it so that it's easier to stand. I mentioned a verse to someone right before the service and there in Hebrews, right? Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. And then he tags it, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You're getting closer and closer and closer. We look around, we see it. Lord's got to come soon. The Lord's got to come soon. The Lord's got to come soon. Then there's no reason to be pulling apart. All the more reason to find ways to stick together. All the more reason to take heed and go, hey, how am I building next to the people around me? Because I ought to be building so that I'm increasing their faith and they're increasing mine. I'm strengthening them in the Lord and they're strengthening me. I'm going ahead and helping them and they're helping me. Because you know what we need? We need some folks who are going to be willing to go, hey, you know what? Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're in a day and age where everybody wants to destroy everybody else. We want to cancel everybody else. We want to wear down everybody else. We want to make it so that we're better than they are. We want to look good and make them look bad. That is the entirety of a world mentality. How great can I look and how terrible can I make everybody else look? Because if I make them look bad enough, I'll always win. And God says, why do you bite and devour one another? Why are you going after each other? Why are you doing that when you're supposed to be standing together and standing strong? Why are houses and marriages falling apart? Why are churches falling apart? Why are people falling apart? Why is it that you can't get a nation to stand together? It's very simple. They don't want to stand together. But if they'd be willing to go ahead and every joint supplies help to the next, there wouldn't be a schism in the body. And you'd be a member in particular. And you'd go ahead and be able to do what you ought to do so that God can get the glory. But instead, 
People do things through strife and vainglory instead of esteeming each other better than themselves. That's Ephesians 5. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Submit yourselves one to another. Why would I do that? Because it's great for the body. You've got the book and you've got the building. You start paying attention to how you conduct yourself with other Christians and with a lost world. Guaranteed, that'll help you keep from falling. You realize if you fall, somebody around you is going to fall. You slip, somebody else will slip. It's funny, right? I, I, I'm a horrible person. You know, just, this illustration popped into my head. It's terrible, and I really probably, you know, you watch, you watch enough videos, right? You like funny videos and those things. And you know, what you, you know, inevitably what you see is you see people fall. And it's hilarious. Right? You laugh first and then ask if they're okay. Like, that's the order. Right? I mean, some of you are much nicer than me. But, right, you let a little chuckle, oh, and then you're like, oh, wait, are they okay? Uh, but that first reaction is the true one, right? First reaction is that's hilarious. But you ever notice one person, like if two people are walking together, one person falls, the other person doesn't keep them up. Right? The other person, they're going down with the first person. Right? That's always how, and it's always funnier when more than one, peop- one person falls. Uh, but the truth is, that's how it always works in the Christian life. You fall, you drag somebody else down with you. And it's not so funny at that particular moment. Because suddenly you're ruining lives. And you're ruining the cause of Jesus Christ and the building is going to fall down around. Because people decide they don't want to stay standing. They didn't pay attention for everybody else. It becomes self-fulfilling and satisfying and all the things I talked about this morning. And the building will crumble. You ought to take heed how you're building. Because your building will affect somebody else's. Look over at uh, Colossians chapter 4. Last one. Probably going to preach this message in 12 parts, but we're going to do just just the one. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 16. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16. You got the book, you've got the building, and you got the business. I like this one. Verse 16, And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it to be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. The salutation by the hand of me, Paul, remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. His final remark to the church at Colossus is, Hey, let Archippus know to take heed, to fulfill his ministry. Fulfill it. Pay attention to what God gave you to do. Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You say, well, I don't really do anything. I mean, I'm not the pastor of the church. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I don't work with you know, the teens. I'm not over there in hope. I don't do grief share. I don't run the street ministry. I don't work in this. I don't do that. I'm not back in the sound. I'm not cleaning the buildings. I'm not doing, I'm not doing really anything. You know, I'm not even an usher. That's not his ministry. You realize that everybody who's ever been saved has a ministry? 
You don't have to be the pastor of the church. You don't have to, you know, be be somebody important, so on, so on, you know, whatever you want to call them. You don't want to have, you don't need a position of prominence and a title. God gave you a spot. And he gave it to everybody. Notice what he says here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know the spot in verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You're saved, you're born again, you're put in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Given to who? Everybody who's in Christ. You know what you have? You have a ministry. Oh, well, I don't have the title. You don't need the title. You got a title, by the way. You're the son of God. Now you got a ministry. Because you've been put into Christ, you know what you have? You have a ministry. Your ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now that we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Say, what, what, what should we do? You ought to be about your father's business. You know, his business is reconciling a world unto himself. You are given the ministry of reconciliation. You say, what is that? Going ahead and reconciling a lost world with a great God who can save to the uttermost if they'd be willing. And trying to get them both on the same page. Let them know that Jesus Christ, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And I'd like to introduce you to the best mediator you'll ever find. The Lord Jesus Christ who can go ahead and give you a good relationship with God the Father and save you and forgive you of all your sins. Take you to heaven for eternity. I can reconcile you back. I can go ahead and let you know that God says, Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God wants to meet with you. God wants to reason it out. God wants to fix it. God wants to be reconciled. God wants to get back in relationship with you. And you know who gets to know how all those things work out? The Son of God gets to know. And He gets to tell as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, He gets to tell a lost world how they can have their sins forgiven forever and be reconciled back to a holy God and have a relationship with him you ever realize how much better you live when everybody knows you're witnessing now if you keep that on the down low right and you get real quiet about it you don't really talk about it you don't talk about church you don't talk about religion you don't talk about Jesus you don't talk about any of those things the world just lets you pass on like everybody else but as soon as you start witnessing you know it's automatically called into question how you live that's immediate that's the first thing on the list hey I thought I heard you say hey I thought you hey didn't you just hey wait a minute aren't you not supposed to do that how is it that the world knows how you're supposed to react to things and how you're supposed to behave yourself and a Christian can't figure it out? Because they heed. They refuse to read the book. They refuse to do what it says. They refuse to follow those instructions. They're not worried about how they're building and they're not worried about whether anybody else is getting reconciled and dealing with the ministry and work in the ministry. Instead, they are all self-consumed. You know what they'll do? They'll go, oh, don't worry about me. I'll always be fine. You know where they're about to be? They're about to be falling down in the middle of a ditch and stuck down there in the mud, and everybody's going to look down and go, I thought you were standing. 
And they're going to say, so did I. But they're not. Because they refuse to take heed. They refuse to pay any attention. It is time to pay attention. If there, has, if there has ever been a time to pay attention, it's now. We are in a world where everybody wants to destroy everything. And the truth is, you and I need to pay attention because there's nobody else who's going to stand. There's nobody else. So you, I just encourage you, hey, stay in the book. Stay in the Bible. It will continuously give you the answers you're going to need for the days ahead. Say, what's going to happen ahead? No idea at times. We know the broad strokes. We know how bad it could get before a trumpet sounds, but every answer is right there in the pages of a Bible. You hold on to that book, you read that book, you study that book, you figure out as much as you can figure out. You're never going to know all of it, but boy, if you could just figure out as much as you could, you know what it'll do? It'll help you stand. It'll help you take heed so you don't fall. You start taking care of building and doing the right things and working with the people around you to stay close and to stay tight and to stay knit together. You know what the Lord will do? He'll bless and protect you because the person next to you will try and keep you up. They'll bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if you'd be about the Father's business... And keep you doing right. You know, the more things you get to do for the Lord and the way He opens things up, the more He makes it so that you have to remember you don't get to do what everybody else does. You just don't get to do it. So that doesn't seem fair. Mary mentioned it tonight. You don't let your kids do whatever. Why should the Lord let his kids do whatever? That's just easy. And so you're held to a better standard. You're just held to a better standard. Why? Because you're a child of the king. You ought to be. And because of that, everybody ought to know who your dad is. Everybody ought to know that he's your father and his ministry is, his business is, he wants to reconcile the world to himself. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You don't have to fall. You don't have to be down there in the ditch. You can stay standing. Even in an evil day, you can stay standing. Let's go ahead and stand. How about that? Let's stand. We're going to sing. I don't know what Brother Andrew's got for us. We're going to sing here in just a moment. Maybe you just need to pray and ask the Lord to give you some courage to keep standing. Maybe you're doing everything right. Maybe you're staying in the book and you're, you think you're doing everything good and everything's going great. But you know what's scary? The devil is ready to take anybody down. If he, if he could just get in, he'll, he'll do it. He would love to destroy. That's what he loves to do. You say, yeah, but I would never. That, you better watch out. Let's take heed. Let's watch out. And maybe you just need to go, Lord, protect me. Help me not to, help me not to misstep. I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. I know there's people that could be watching me. I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall because I don't want to hurt anybody else. You know, some days, parents, some days isn't your answer is, I'm going to do this because it's best for my kids. 
I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do the right thing because if I don't do the right thing, my family will pay. Well, if you don't do the right thing, Christian, sometimes your family will pay. Don't let it be that. Ask the Lord to give you some wisdom in an evil day. Lord, I do pray you would bless the night, bless the invitation even now. Help us, Father, to be able to stand strong in an evil day and stand together in great unity with each other as well as with our Savior. Father, I pray you bless the night in Jesus' name. Amen.